Welcome. You're listening to a sermon podcast from Oak Hills Church in Folsom, California. Good morning. I'm so honored and thankful to be here today. Oak Hills is a community I have grown with and loved and treasured. And it's an honor to share this space and moment with you all. So thank you for your generosity and your grace. I want to start this morning by inviting up kids. And so... I I find that kids really help us to listen to Jesus and his presence. Would you, if you're a kid, come on up here for just a few minutes? And if you need to, bring your parents any age at all. And if you don't feel comfortable or if you're watching from home, you participate where you are. Thank you, Abhisek. Yeah, anybody willing to come up? We can be, yeah, thanks. Abhisek, you want to sit here with me? Yeah, good. Thank you for coming. Yeah, wonderful. Fantastic, guys. Great. Okay, when Jesus was here on this earth, he did such wonderful things and he taught such amazing things that people came from all over to hear him and to see and to be near him. And he talked about a kingdom, the kingdom of God. And people wanted to learn about this kingdom. And the parents... The moms and dads, they wanted their kids, their babies, their little children to know Jesus and to know about this kingdom. They even wanted babies who couldn't talk yet and couldn't walk yet to know Jesus. So they wanted Jesus just to hold their babies. But do you remember what the disciples said? They said that, no, don't come here. Jesus is busy. He can't do things with kids That's right. That's exactly what they said. They rebuked the parents. They said the parents were doing something wrong. That Jesus had important things to do, right? But what did Jesus say? He said, no, let them in. That's right. He He called the kids over and he said, don't let the children come to me, right? He said, let them come to me. Don't do anything to stop them. The kingdom, God's kingdom belongs to them. God's kingdom is for people exactly like them. So I wonder, you guys, what do you think? How do you think the kids felt when they were there with Jesus? What do you think they felt like? Hmm. Joyful. Joyful. I wonder if they felt joyful. I bet they did. I wonder what Jesus, what the, I wonder what the kids told Jesus. You guys have any idea? Or if they played with him or told him anything? Maybe. Maybe. I wonder if there were any fussy babies there. What do you think? Could there have been fussy kids there? Maybe, right? I wonder if there were naughty kids there. You think there could be? Don't look at you. (laughs) I wonder if there were worried kids or scared kids. Do you think there were even kids who felt like crying? Or kids who felt like being silly? Yeah, I bet there were. That's you? (laughs) Do you think Jesus knows about how kids feel? He said, yeah, definitely. He said the kingdom of heaven belongs to them. I wonder how babies felt when Jesus held them. And I wonder how the moms and dads felt when Jesus was holding their babies. What do you think about what the disciples might have thought after that? I don't know, huh, what they could have thought. 
And guys, you guys have helped us right now to listen to the Holy Spirit. That was a big gift to us. Thank you so much. That was really kind of you. Let me bless you, and then you get to go to your Sunday school classes, okay? Okay. Okay. God, King Jesus, Holy Spirit, thank you for these kids who live so well and wonderfully in your kingdom. Watch over them and all they do today and this week, and help us pay attention and listen so we can learn from these kids who you are and what you care about. All right, guys, have a great time. Thank you, Abby's sake. So today, just like the people of Colossae 2,000 years ago, we are gathered as a community for one reason, because of the stunning goodness of Jesus. Jesus, who showed us all what love was by going to the cross, and who showed us all what hope was by coming up from that grave. We have signed up for Jesus and for his kingdom and his ways. And then we run into ourselves again and again. And Paul gives us this word of help and hope. As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with patience. Patience seems like one article of clothing I'd rather not put on. Like it might itch or pinch. Patience involves, oh, patience is a little different from, say, kindness or compassion. Patience involves, by definition, suffering or at the least, discomfort. I don't need to have patience when I get great service at the store. I don't need to have patience when my kids are perfectly behaved. Patience is the quality of love that reckons with the inconvenience of love. Patience acknowledges the too slow or too fast timetable of love. That is why in this passage, patience comes right before forgiveness. I can joke, I'll pass on patience. But honestly, being clothed in impatience is far more uncomfortable. And the alternative to taking a hard pass on patience is, well, we all know what it looks like. People who are not patient stay developmentally like a very small child who cannot take in the reality that other people and their needs exist or that they can truly survive and be okay if they don't get what they need and want right this exact moment. Many adults, including me at times, are developmentally infants when it comes to living in reality. But God is patient with us. And right now, you and I can be patient, not condemning, with our own childish characters. And allow even those little ones to receive from God the patient love they need to grow. Before we go further, let's talk about what patience is not. Patience is not passivity. If I tell my sons, I guess you don't like to pick up after yourselves, I can do it anyway. I'm not being patient. I'm just not doing my job. Patience is also not isolation. Avoiding people does not make us patient. It's also not patience to put up with abuse, misogyny, racism, or any other form of injustice. It is patience, on the other hand, that allows me to work against evil, either in myself or in the systems of this world, because I know in God's perfect timing, Jesus Christ will return and set all things right, so I can endure with patience while I work with him in whatever capacities I find to bring about injustice's end. 
Here is one definition for patience. To be patient in love is to be present in our bodies, in our minds, in our spirits. To be present to God, to myself, and to one another in the moment we are in. Not racing ahead, not fretting or seeking to escape or take control. Not demanding my agenda happen on my timetable. Rather, to be patient is to be able to trust that whatever good agenda and needs I have are known and kept by my God who cares so very much for me. I have struggled greatly with patience in my life, and I offer you what I've learned as one still learning. One important thing I have learned is that in a very real sense, I am a nervous system, meaning I am an embodied person. Neurology and psychology have a concept called the window of tolerance. And this window of tolerance is the extent to which we as embodied people with nervous systems have the ability to be flexibly responsive. The extent to which we are able in any given moment to respond to the stresses and demands on us. To remain in our bodies and able to choose. Our window may be big or small, depending on many factors. But when our nervous systems are overwhelmed, we leave that window. We are no longer able to respond in our bodies. We either act out and flip out, maybe shouting or slamming things or letting words fly. Or we shut down, check out, escaping by withdrawal, including sometimes numbing or medicating. Here's my example. I'm helping my two third graders with their math homework. Sorry, their asynchronous learning, which they find very challenging. And I may feel any number of feelings about how this is going and how it's impacting my day. And I become aware of those feelings. And I choose to take a deep breath and get a drink of water and pray to Jesus. And I decide God will get me through through this. Third grade math has not killed us yet. And the moment passes. I am able to to decide and act with calm, hopeful patience in those times. And typically, that helps my kids to do the same. But we have all had experiences where the present and life is just too much. When our window of tolerance is simply not big enough for the moment we are in. Sometimes, during those asynchronous learning, I start to believe I will never get dinner made. I will never do anything else again but sit at this table looking at this math problem. I start thinking I'm a parenting failure based on how this is going. Maybe I have a headache. Maybe I haven't slept well. Maybe I've had a conflict with my husband or my teenager. I have other worries. And I start thinking of everything else I would like to be doing or need to be doing. And I find more things, and I find things more and more unbearable. And then one kid wanders off to play Legos, and the other wads up his paper for the third time. They're probably out of their windows. And for sure, my window of tolerance has just slammed shut. And I'm not present in my body. I'm yelling or tense and sharp in my admonitions. And I no longer see the child before me. Or often, I alternatively just give up. And I escape to my phone or to food just to numb. And I no longer see the child before me or the kingdom of God or my own self. At any given moment, we don't have a lot to say in how big our window of tolerance is or our capacity for patience. So many factors are coming into play. It is good to recognize when our kids or really anyone is flipping out or checking out, 
Not that we don't want to help them or expect them to grow past the small window of tolerance they have right now. We can also, though, recognize that right now, this is their current reality. And their actions in this moment are usually an indication of pain and stress, rather than a conscious choice. Unlike us, Jesus' window of tolerance is infinitely wide. He is always inside his body, in the presence of his Father and the Holy Spirit, and he is in the presence of all of us. And because of Jesus' redeeming grace, our windows can stretch. So I want to offer a first step towards putting on patience, becoming aware. Aware that you are a nervous system, Aware of where you are in the window of tolerance and how much flex you have left. Aware of when your window has closed or is closing. And let me add something to this. One way to grow in patience and community is simply to recognize, admit, and apologize when you are not patient. That's all. Don't blame. Don't add. But you, you can often explain your emotions in a compassionate way but always take responsibility for your feelings and your actions. Secondly, I would remind you that you are an embodied person. As creatures made by God with nervous systems, we must pay attention to how our bodies are doing. It is our responsibility, once we're adults, to tend and care well for our bodies. This is my mom authority coming to play here. It is an act of proper humility to reckon with your creaturely human needs. Give yourself adequate, healthy food, sleep, exercise. Give yourself time outdoors, time unplugged. Give yourself time by yourself and time with others who love you. If you're in a season where you can't do that for whatever reason, we all have seasons where sleep isn't in our control, as parents of infants can testify. In those cases, first be patient and gentle with yourself and do what you can. Third, to grow in patience, become aware and tend with compassion to your thoughts. It is a wonderful help to become aware of what we think and believe when we are impatient. There are so many false ideas and suppositions that we unconsciously carry around that make patience almost impossible. So take time to uncover what you were believing when you left your window of tolerance. Journaling or talking these through with a friend can be so helpful. One huge lie that I have had to become aware of and weed out is the lie that I am responsible for holding together the whole universe and my family and my neighborhood and my church. I need to reject the thought that I must win at life and prove my worthiness. None of these are my burdens. And I have believed or felt in my spirit at times that they all were. No wonder I was impatient carrying around such burdens. So please bring in the truth. Jesus of the cross is Lord of this universe. And that Jesus is carrying our life now. It is he who holds us and makes us worthy and our work fruitful. And Jesus carries no condemnation or impatience ever. Those are not of him, and they never will be. One profound key to growing impatient love is knowing in your body, in your soul, that you are loved, that you are seen, that you are safe, that you are enough. You don't have to fix everything. 
get everything right, perform perfectly, or even perform well at all, and you are still safe and beloved. God has designed babies to learn this safety and connection from the love and care our mothers and fathers give us. But because of this broken world, we forget, or in some cases, we have never experienced the safety and love our souls require to be whole. But we are safe. We are seen. We are God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. On Mother's Day, I want to tell you that God loves us with that parent's love, that mother's love that is essential for any human thriving. This is what God has said of himself in relation to us, his people. In Isaiah 49:15, can a woman forget her nursing child? The answer is no, that is physiologically impossible. Or can a woman show no compassion for the child of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. God says, as a mother comforts her children, so I will comfort you, and you shall be comforted. And the prophet Hosea describes God's mother's love to his people in this way. Yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I who took them up in my arms, but they did not know I healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness and with bands of love. I was to them like those who lift infants to their cheeks. I bent down to them and fed them. I was to them like those who lift infants to their cheeks. When we know and know in our bodies this radical treasuring love God has for us, patience won't be hard. Then we can say with the poet in Psalm 131, I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. We have all come through a strange, bizarre, hard year that has at times stretched our patience to the breaking point. For many of us, this year or the past few have in a real sense destabilized and changed how we think about almost everything. We see a world that has been reeling and has not loved well. And we have sometimes seen a wider church community that has also been reeling. And we have not always been patient with each other and with ourselves. The Gospels tell of a time when Jesus commented on Jerusalem right before he was executed in that same city. A Jerusalem that was reeling and confused and trying desperately to get power and control. He said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you. How I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you were not willing. I believe that's what he says to us as his community now in the stress and disorientation of these times in the fear and lack of patience that result. My chosen people, my church, holy and dearly loved, with all your fears and all your failures, how I have longed to gather your children together 
as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. Dear ones, friends, God is near. Jesus, with his mother love, longs to gather us who have experienced this last year of COVID and lockdowns, of fears and frustrations, of divisions and arguments, of racist attacks and racial justice, up, racial justice uprisings, and more. He says, I am near. I long to gather you and your children under my wings and keep you safe. You are with me. I have a redemption beyond what you can fathom here in my presence. Today, I invite us for this moment to be a people who are small and weak and needy enough to be gathered under Jesus' wings. When we allow Jesus to bring us close, when we are open in our bodies, in our spirits to his presence, we will surely be clothed in a cross-shaped life, in self-sacrificing, Jesus-filled love that is the redeeming hope for this wounded world. In the light of this truth, I want us to take time right now to bring our families, and specifically on this Mother's Day, our mothers and those who have played that mothering role into the presence and care of Jesus. So would you pray with me for the mothers and those who have had to act as mothers this year? We pray both with those who are here right now with us, and we pray for those who are our neighbors. King Jesus, our mother hen, you see and know and cherish those moms and dads and others who have parented through a pandemic with all its fears and all its disruptions to childcare and schooling and socializing. Lord Jesus, refresh those moms who are exhausted. Moms with special needs children, moms with kids struggling with mental illness or addiction or simple loneliness. Jesus, gather under your wings single moms, working moms, Moms who have had to work essential jobs and moms who have had to lose their jobs for the sake of their kids. Be a shelter to moms who have struggled to provide shelter, food, and safety for their children. Jesus, would you show your treasuring love to moms who gave birth or adopted this year and couldn't have friends hold and rock their new babies. Jesus, gather to your strong, protecting self those mothers of children of color, African-American moms, Asian moms, Latina moms who have borne a burden they should never have had to bear, a burden of fear for the well-being of their children's spirits and bodies in a hostile world. Grant them solace and strength. We ask you to bless and shelter moms and grandmothers we couldn't visit this year, the grandmoms who couldn't be with their grandchildren. Jesus, redeem this time for all of us. And Jesus, we ask you to be the redeemer for mothers and children who have broken relationships. We ask you to be the hope for those who long to be parents but have not yet been able to. Would you comfort and shelter children who have lost their mothers and mothers who have lost their children. Be their shelter so they can proclaim your presence in the midst of their grief. 
Jesus, we thank you for the joy and goodness and gift of families. We thank you for the patience that families give us. And we thank you for the patience that families require of us. In your good name, amen.